0: Do you ever feel, when now I have felt this way, have you ever prayed a prayer and you feel like it didn't make it further than the ceiling tile? Can anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but can anybody identify with that? It just, it just feels like it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't do anything. Hopefully we're going to help with that today. Now, again, I'm not the perfect model, I'm not saying I don't still feel that way from time to time, but our topic today as we continue, and I I just have to say I have loved this series, I know that's a little unfair because I'm the one that wrote it, but uh, I've enjoyed digging into what God has to say about prayer, about communication with our God. And today what we're going to look at is prayer that changes things. And we're going to dig into what Jesus has to say about ways that we can approach prayer to get them past the ceiling tiles. I know that's sort of a silly metaphor, but we want our prayers to be effective. I, I don't know about you, but you know, when I, uh, even if it's a small thing or if it's a big thing, when I pour my heart out to God, I, I want him to listen, and he does. But I, I want something to happen. I, I'm, uh, often the context of our prayers is that we have a need, or we have a weakness, or we have a problem, or we have a concern. And so we're not just venting to God. We're saying, God, would you make a difference? And we're going to explore today how it's not our job to make the difference, right? That it's, it's the God difference. He, he's the one that does that work. But how can we engage with prayer in a way that we cooperate with what he's doing? We talked last week about this idea that part of what prayer is, is we are joining a communication that has been going on between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. We, we've, we are joining in a communication that's already happening. Pastor, we've been doing these these quotes from different pastors and leaders throughout the past several weeks, um, and I stumbled on this one, and it just fits perfectly with where we're going today. Prayer, in its simplest form, is finding out what God wants to do and then asking Him to do it. Now, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and then back up and, and, and build a foundation for this, but how often do we not do the finding out what God wants to do part? We, 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 we do come to him, you know, something happens or something's going on, and we come to him in prayer, and we immediately start asking for what we think needs to happen without ever finding out what is it that God wants to do. See, no matter what situation you might be in or what person you might be facing, God is at work doing something. Whether it's the situation is good or bad, Whether the person is helping you or coming against you, God is at work doing something. And part of our job in prayer is to find out, God, what is it that you're doing in this situation? Now, this can become a slippery slope, and we'll do a message some other time on why the bad things happen to good people. That's kind of like one of those big questions, and it's actually one of my favorite things to talk about. But that's not today's message, okay? But it can be easy to think that, well, if something bad's going on, you know, God's not necessarily at work. He is. And it doesn't mean that he caused the bad thing to happen. But despite whatever circumstance you might be in or whatever conflict you might be involved in, find out what God is doing and do your best to partner with it, to ask him to do that, and then to align yourself. Okay. We're going to go back now and build back up to that. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible or a Bible device, you can follow along. We'll also have the main scriptures on the screen here. Um, And we're going to, for the most part, stay in this chapter, but we may jump around in the verses a little bit. But for now, let's start with Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Says it right there in black and white. We don't know what to pray. And yet the Holy Spirit, if that's a point of weakness, that and we'll talk in a minute about reasons why we sometimes don't know what to pray. Okay? But the point is, if that is a point of weakness, if if my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling of tile because I don't really even know what to ask for, God is telling us the Holy Spirit is, comes to help. In that weakness, he has a present help, and so he wants to help in that process. He wants to partner with us. He helps us in our weakness. Now, he is always willing. He's always ready, but sometimes we miss his help, and we've been talking about this from from time to time. But if it seems like God's not close. It seems like I'm asking for his help, but he's not saying anything. It could be the reverse of the illustration. We feel like our prayers aren't getting past the ceiling tiles, but sometimes we feel like God's on the other side and he's not coming closer. At least that's how we feel, right? We know in reality he, he lives in us. He's never further away than we can reach out and touch, but we might feel like he's not close. We might feel like he's not saying anything, and this is, the, this is the problem living in the fallen world that we live in, as that sin has disrupted uh, broken, corrupted relationships. And Jesus came, as we're going to talk about in a few weeks as we ramp up to Easter, to set things back to right, to make possible that we could have intimate relationship with him without the need of, of a, of a middleman or a, or a high priest to intercede between us, We could have direct contact, direct relationship with God. But when sin entered the world, that relationship dynamic was broken. And the enemy has been busy ever since, even since the cross. When things were made possible to be set back to right, he's been very busy trying to convince us, distract us, and destroy us from reengaging with the reality of that intimate relationship. And the reality of that process is, and I'm, I'm going to use this loose definition of sin. Sin is a break in the relationship. You might think of sin as just right and wrong. It's not simply that something you did was wrong. That causes a break in the relationship. It causes you to feel that distance. God doesn't ever actually leave. He doesn't have to distance himself from you as a person, but that relationship can be broken. And he's always ready to bring you right back. This break in relationship and that, that process of feeling separated from God means that we don't know him as well. The, the, we, in order to know him, we need to be close. So it stands to reason if we're farther away, we don't know him as well. It's harder to know what he wants, what he's doing, what he's saying. And as a result, prayer suffers. Now, I'm not saying this in, in terms of black and white, right? There's lots of gray area in there. But the reality is that if, if our relationship with him is, is distant or strained to any degree, and on any given day, I could be that way, right? In any given moment, I may not be as close to him as I would like to be. But as a result of that process, prayer suffers. And this is what he's talking about in the scripture is that we don't know what to pray. I'm going to jump ahead. There's a couple of reasons. I'm going to go ahead and touch on this. A couple of reasons that we don't know what to pray. The first is we cannot see the future. We cannot see the big picture that God sees. We don't know exactly what's around the corner, let alone down the road. And so we may be asking for things and seeking things that don't line up with what God has planned or where we're going with him. And the second is that in any given circumstance, we may not actually know what is best for us. Those of you who uh, have currently or have previously raised children or been around raising children understand this dynamic very well. Sometimes little people want things that are going to harm them. And as a parent, it's like that's not going to be good for you. And 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 the little one may not understand, you know, but but why why are you telling me no? I I want this. It's my desire. I you know, Whatever it is, it might be just as innocent as, you know, an extra chocolate chip cookie while mom's baking, but we've not had dinner yet. But that's not going to be a healthy choice, so we're probably going to say no. Don't do that. We don't want you to have cavities in your teeth. Or whatever whatever silly example you might come up with. But we have to recognize as children of God, we often don't know and, and, and this is about the content of our prayer, right? We don't actually know what is going to be best for us, and so we don't really know exactly what to ask for. Now, I'll give you, if, if all else fails, I've used this prayer before. It's totally valid. It's one I keep in my pocket all the time. Help! That's a good go to. I think you can always slot that one in. Or there's also, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, those are okay. We're going to look at some more scriptures in a minute that talks about how the Spirit groans. But my point is, sometimes if our prayers we feel are not getting past the ceiling tile, rather than just praying for what we think we want or what we think we need, we should probably first pray, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you want? What are you up to? How do you want to move in this situation? I heard this and it, a while back. Actually, it's been quite a few years. And I listened to a bunch of material after the fact. But it, it, it almost hurt my brain because I'd never thought about it this way. Have you ever thought about the fact that, I mean, it even tells us there, the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Do you believe that if you pray in harmony with God's will, that the answer is yes and amen? But are we all, we're not always real good at being in harmony, right? Do you believe that Jesus is probably better at that than we are? I'm willing to, to raise my hand for that one. I think he's probably better than I am at doing that. And so this teacher that I was listening to years ago talked about You know, if you pray the kind of prayers that Jesus is, not prayed like in the Scripture, but currently. If Jesus is is interceding for us, praying on our behalf before the Father, if we can pray the prayers that he is praying, then we can be confident that there is an answer. That an answer has been given, and that it's good for us. And so, I know it sounds so simple, but I know I've often missed it. When I don't know what to pray, and sometimes even when I think I do, I should probably double check. Jesus, what, what are you doing? What are you up to? How can I pray in harmony and alignment with that? Okay, so going through that process of, of seeking God, of seeking what he's doing, what he's up to, what he's saying, We're trying to discern or ascertain what are his desires, either for us or the situation or whatever, and make our prayers reflect that, reflect what Jesus' desire is. And as a result of that process, and I have found this to be true, Jesus will give us what we like to call a gracelet, Now, if you understand the the concept of of grace, um, a grace, it's it's like a little drop. It's like, so if I come to Jesus and say, you know, hey, I've got this thing going on in my life, and I don't know what to pray, and Jesus begins to speak and tell me how he sees the situation, and what he's praying and what his desire is, somewhere in that process, it's like I receive a little drop of grace because I suddenly have a way that I can pray. I suddenly have, it's just like a drop of grace that God is saying, here's a different way to look at it. Here's what I'm doing. Here's a way you can pray in harmony with my will. This is the the further dividing out of he helps us in our weakness. He he doesn't want to, now he does pray on our behalf and we're going to look at that in a second. But he doesn't want to just leave us wondering what to pray. He wants to actually empower us to be able to pray in a way that will be effective, in a way that will be in line with the Father's heart. He wants to, and and, I don't know that I have real good language for this. Oftentimes when I have experienced this reality, the thing that he drops into my heart is something I probably would have never considered or was a previously unconsidered alternative. It's like uh, there was that old song, God will make a way where there seems to be no way, which is based on a scripture. But It's like that's the reality of that process, is that all of a sudden I'm standing here, and and again, I'm, I'm like putting myself in the guilty pile here. How often do we reduce things to either or choices? Because we think we know. Either this is going to happen, which is the thing I want to happen, but if that doesn't happen, then this bad thing's going to happen. We make it binary. We make it either or, one or the other. And so often God comes through and says, what if it's not exactly either of those things? What if there's a third way? What if there's a What if there's a kingdom way that it doesn't actually fully line up? And this is where we have to step back and realize, Uh, I love this quote from Eugene Peterson which captures this thought perfectly. God cannot fit into our plan. We must fit into Him. And that's hard, right? Because we have plans. We have intentions. We have desires. And we often know what we would like to happen. And sometimes that's in alignment with God and sometimes it's not. And so we need to be willing to say, and you can be honest, God, this is really what I'd like you to do. But last time I checked, he wasn't really looking for my advice. And so we need to ask, God, can I fit into your plan? Like, what is is the way you're looking at this? What is the alternative that I'm not seeing? how can I move towards your plan? And sometimes this is very specific and detailed to the situation, but sometimes it's as simple as understanding what are his purposes in the earth. Sometimes it's as simple as just choosing, you know what, this thing that I thought I wanted to happen is probably not a very kingdom-oriented thing. Maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's self-serving. So it's pretty easy to see that's, that's probably not the thing I should be praying for. Maybe I should be praying for grace to see myself differently. Or maybe I should be asking for empowerment to, to move past that, to see people through God's eyes, to value others above myself. I, I, I don't know. You fill in the blank when you run into something. But we need to realize that we need to fit into his plans and his purposes all right, we're going to go back to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to back up to verse 21. Now, this is talking about the future glory, and, and I have to be honest, I, I was tempted to do like the whole 18 verses before this. We call that biting off a big chunk, and I love it, but I don't have time to, to go through it all, okay? So maybe go back and read the first half, Uh there's some good stuff in there about suffering and and so on but going down to verse 21 the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time and that I'm just going to touch on this that that groaning is is For the purposes of God to come about. For the reality of the fullness of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to come. For what we know that we look forward to and hope that one day, just as Jesus came the first time and and died a sinner's death on a cross, that he promised that someday he was coming back again to consummate all things, to finally set all things fully to right and to institute the new reality of a new heaven and a new earth and that we who are called by his name, who are followers of his, can be part of that, that we can join him in heaven. And we believers, verse 23, also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. How many of you could say, I could pray that prayer, amen? We long, and it's okay to long for that. I don't think that's outside of alignment, right? But we often don't know how to get there. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised. I could camp on that for a minute, but my back's not hurting too bad today, okay? We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. This is that paradox, right? We have a taste of it. We don't have the fullness of it. We know that victory has been secured. Jesus has done what was necessary to make that future hope and glory possible. There's no further work that we need to do to take care of the penalty for sin in order to make that possible. That's done. That's why we call it the finished work of the cross and not the in-process work of the cross. Like, we don't need to put him back up on the tree. That's been done, taken care of. But we haven't fully entered into that reality yet. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I probably don't have to make it to the back door before I bump into something else that tells me we still live in the time between the times. We still live in the reality of a fallen world where Jesus is often breaking in. He is doing things. He is active. His kingdom is here, and yet it's not here. His kingdom is coming, and yet it's not fully here. And that's, that's the tension of the reality that we live in. Take great hope in the fact that in addition to all of these ways that we can align our prayers, that we can allow Jesus to help us to know what to pray, on top of all of that that we've already discussed, the other glorious reality is that the Spirit also prays on our behalf. That He stands in the gap and intercedes. And that basically means on, on our behalf. He, he stands and He pleads our case before the Father. He says, I've paid that price. I have made it possible for them to be holy and righteous in your sight. I've made this relationship possible. And, and even getting down to the minute details of whatever is the thing that you're praying, not only is Jesus ready and willing to tell you, here's a drop of grace so you know how to pray, here's a, maybe a different alternative or a way to look, but he's also backing that up with, and I'm also going to the Father on your behalf. I, Jesus says, I'm taking the full weight of my position and authority as the Son of God, which you are grafted into as well. The Bible tells us we are in Christ. If if he was crucified and we share in that, then we are we are in him. And we must also share in his suffering. That's, I'm sorry, that's part of that reality. But he's saying, I go before my Father, just like we talked about last week, right into the throne room, able to approach the throne, able to... To look at the one who is King and God Almighty, who is creator of all of the universe, but approach him as daddy. Daddy, I have this this one here. And and he's asking you, and and I'm asking you. And I don't know about you, but I imagine that probably has some weight behind it. Right? When Jesus asks the Father for things, and then we can also be asking the Father for the same things, I think I could be confident in saying he is eager to answer those prayers. Now, I know in practice, this is not this simple, right? Because we have all kinds of things to distract us, to dissuade us from this reality. All kinds of things are going to get in our way. But I want to take you back, for most of you, if you had this experience, to elementary school. What was one of the things that they taught us? If you get into a situation with fire. Stop, drop, and roll, right? That's like, it's baked in. I don't know how many times I heard it. Maybe we can learn something similar. When you encounter a situation... The first thing you should do, rather than jumping into asking or whatever, stop. Look to the Jesus that lives in you. Jesus, I recognize that you are in me, and I'm asking you to help. And I'm trusting that you're going to give me a way to view this. I mean, you, you, you can fill it in, but stop. Tune in to the Father, and then roll with whatever he says. Okay? Now, (laughs) that sounds great, right? But sometimes what he says is not what we want to do. Sometimes what he says is, I hear you, child, and you need to march over there and offer an apology because you were out of line. Yeah? Do we like to roll with that reality? No, we don't. Because we're pretty sure we're right. Most of the time. And sometimes we are. I I mean, I am probably more than average. Glad my wife's not in the room. We don't like to roll with that reality. We don't like to do the difficult things. We don't like to eat a piece of humble pie, if you will. But stop, look, and roll with it. Whatever it is that he says, because I guarantee you, the way he's viewing it and the way he's approaching it is far better than whatever we're going to come up with on our own. Okay, to, to wrap this up, we're going to jump to a totally different place. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It'll be on the screen, but I want my Bible to cooperate. Now, this is talking about Jesus Christ being our high priest. And that's that concept of, you know, we have direct access to God, but He, Jesus, on our behalf, still intercedes. He, he goes and, okay, so uh, I didn't give you guys this for the screen, but I'm going to back up to 14. Just listen, and then we'll get to 16 in a minute. So then, since we have a great high priest being Jesus, Who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And I want to take you back to that definition we were using. He didn't allow temptations to break down his relationship with his father. He stayed close. He stayed intimate. He stayed in alignment. And I think that's possible with his help for us. He understands our weakness, even though he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will find mercy and grace. Mercy meaning Jesus looks at your problem, and maybe even the way you look at yourself, through the lens of Jesus, which means he sees you as righteous. He sees you as already set to right. I like to look at it this way. If we could imagine or, or plot out what we're going to look like ultimately, we get to the end of our life and we join Jesus' and then all things are perfected and we're who we really are. We're who God made us to be and we're reunited with him and we're going to spend eternity in that reality. Jesus can already see you that way. He doesn't see you through the lens of your hurts and your hang-ups and your personality flaws and the ways you messed up this week and maybe even this morning. That's not the lens he sees you through. He sees you cleanse. He sees you right through the lens of Jesus. And he has mercy because he's not looking at you to judge you and to penalize you, even though maybe you did thus and so, or you acted that way, or you had that wrong attitude, or you didn't. For... He's not going through that list. He's saying, I'm applying mercy. And then he's, he says, we will find grace for exactly what we need. In other words, we'll be able to take the next step. He's going to give us what we need to keep going. I was part of a church plant in North Carolina several years ago, and our founding pastor uh, had this phrase that had been given to them, because they. I don't have time to tell all of their stories, but they had an incredibly difficult road. And four months into that, there I wasn't there at the time yet, Four months into planting their church as, as a couple, the husband, who was the primary pastor, uh, passed away very unexpectedly. Complications from a gallbladder surgery, which you think is, you know, like we, we kind of know how to do that one nowadays. It's not normally, and, and it, was, it was a strange set of circumstances, but, but she had had this phrase that God had put deeply in her heart, and it was simply stay the course. Stay the course. God has charted a destination for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for this church body too. But he has a purpose for you and he has charted that destination. And in our estimation, we're sailing along and we think somewhere out on the horizon we can see where we're going and we want to just keep going that way. And for some reason he says, I want you to, you know, Go to the right a little bit. And we may never know because there's some rocks in the water that might have tore up. You know, it's like there are so many things that we don't see. But if we let Jesus chart the course, it's probably going to look more like this, you know, than, than this. Okay? But if we let Jesus chart the course and we can trust him and stay on his course, We will get to where we're going, and we will hopefully one day be able to look back. I just have to believe that somewhere in my journey, there's going to be an opportunity that he's going to show me some of those things. Hey, you remember that time that, you know, I asked you to to take this turn, and it didn't really make a whole lot of sense? This is what I was keeping you from. And he might show us some of those things. He probably won't show us all of them, because there's probably more than we could imagine. Let's come boldly to this throne. Let's approach our Papa and ask him to set our course. We want our prayers to go somewhere. Let's ask the one who's high enough to see where we're going, to see what's maybe a little further down the road than we can see.